Ready? <laughs> yeah. Hi, everyone, and welcome back to Playing Dirty Podcast. I'm Megan, and this is Katie. Hey! And happy Mother's Day to everyone. We are recording on Sunday, May 14th. Um, today we're going to talk about something that's a little close to home for me and Katie, and I'm sure everyone in the world right now, but we will be discussing mental health, um, as well as giving some updates on what's happened the past week and some things to look forward to. Yeah. Yeah. Thanks everyone for tuning in again. If this is, uh, the third episode that you've listened to, um, if you're new here, uh, we chat about sports and sports culture. And like Megan said this week, we're just going to be talking about mental health. May is Mental Health Awareness Month. And so we think it's kind of a really important topic to just discuss and talk about our own experiences, especially having been athletes. Um, you know, historically, it's been kind of a taboo topic for athletes to talk about openly, but um, it's something that's really important to us. So today we will be diving into it. Um, and because we are discussing mental health, if you or someone that you love is in need of help, um, you can call or text 988. That's 988. Um, and for more information, you can find tools and resources on the CDC's webpage at cdc.gov forward slash mental health. Yeah, right, great Great call out, Megan. Give us an update of the past week. Okay. Okay. Um, this is going to be a fun episode, but just wanted to prep everyone. It's going to be a little, bit, a little bit more serious at some points. Um, so there's been a lot that's happened this past week. Um, and actually a lot that's happened yesterday and today. Uh, so I want to just like touch on that before we really get into the meat of this episode. Um, so the first thing, lost. your son's <laughs> lost. Yeah, son's lost. Sorry about that. It's okay. It was disappointing. I know. I was pulling for them too. But now the Lakers are playing the Nuggets, so. We'll have to transfer to be a Lakers fan, I guess, this time, Katie. For you. Do it. Only for yeah. you. Yeah. Thank you. Yeah, you're absolutely welcome to the club. It's not bandwagon. We accept everyone. <laughs> Um, but, uh, there was news with the Suns that, uh, Monty Williams got fired. Yeah. I think people in Arizona are pretty upset about it. Um, obviously Monty, just from a, a viewer's perspective has done a really good job. And I don't know if it has to do with the new ownership of the team, um, you know, kind of a turnover in culture, perhaps, but I'm really sad to see him go. Yeah, I think a lot of people are. And I think I was, I mean, granted, I get it. Like he didn't, he didn't win, but I read this stat that in the past three years, he's been the most winningest coach, especially yeah. in the playoffs. Yeah. Like, I mean, I don't know if there's no credit given to that, but with the new owner, it sounded like he just kind of wanted to to get a, a fresh face for the team. Uh, but really kind of a bummer because I, I admire him as a coach. I Me too. And I hope he gets picked up somewhere else pretty fast and continues his coaching career. In other news, 
Um, this is for everyone that resides with me in Tucson or went to University of Arizona. Um, Andre Iguodala has officially retired after 19 seasons. Um, and he's the last Lute Olsen coached Wildcat to play in the NBA. Oh, I know. It's like if for if you're a UCLA fan, it's um, your John Wooden is our Lute Olsen. Okay. Um, if you're not familiar with who Lute Olsen is, um, every boy growing up in, in Tucson has a, like a little portrait with Lute Olsen from the like <laughs> basketball camp when they were little. It's like classic growing up in Tucson thing. That's cute. Um, so, I mean, same. I hope for Iguodala the best in his retirement. Hopefully he can kind of disconnect from the sports world for a minute and find a new passion. If that's what he desires. Oh, how cute is that? Yeah. Wow, man, that time flies. A lot of yeah. these like people we grew up watching are like now just kind of retiring or leaving the league. Yeah, it is weird to be that age where you can talk about people who you watched play when you were younger who are no longer in the NBA. And it's like, I'm not I'm not old, but that's a weird thing. Right. <laughs> think about. It is. It is. I, I also feel like we're at that age too, where there's people in like the NBA MLB who are younger than us, which oh, yeah, is, yeah. it's terrifying. I mean, I'm like, Oh my God. Like we're not what old. Were you but... doing when you were 17? <laughs> no, seriously. Yeah. Not, not playing a professional sport. Uh, yeah, that's that's how I felt when I saw that stat about the women's U.S. Open. There's like a nine-year-old that qualified. It's like, oh, what were you doing when you were nine? I no, seriously. I I kind of wish that like I got into golf. I don't know if I've mentioned this to you, but I got into golf when I was younger. Like I played golf mm -hmm. when I was little. You know, my dad would take me to the range, and like I I did golf camps and whatever. But I feel like if I stuck with it for like took it really seriously, I could be professional. You heard it here. I could be professional. <laughs> I just don't feel like it's a very like saturated woman's sport. So when I was nine, I was in my theater kid era. Um, <laughs> so I was in the youth theater company doing like product, like these massive productions of, I'd say I did like Charlotte's Web. I was a, a mouse. Whoa. I did The Lion, the Witch, and the Wardrobe, and I was Lucy Pevensey. That's probably where I peaked in life. Yeah. <laughs> I did, like, The Music Man. I don't know what else. Um, what's the one with the Ghost of Christmas? A Christmas Carol? Yeah. That was... I was thriving at the age of nine. Just wow. not in the same way. <laughs> I didn't know you were a theater kid, Megan. You didn't? Came, I knew you did. I was in no, I, choir. I was in the Arizona Youth Chamber Ensemble. I had a vocal coach. I was, I wanted to be like, I wanted a, an agent. I wanted to do it all. I wanted to be on Disney wow. Channel so badly. I feel like I knew that you had like done some acting, but I didn't know you were like so serious about it. What happened? <laughs> Sports. And Cute. then I got back into the singing in high school and and then stopped again but you can sing you can riff one out no <laughs> <laughs> i 
not on the pod not on the pod maybe another like time a, leading the the uh our father at mass at my catholic high school mm, you know yeah yep 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 nice <laughs> gotta feel good about that one. Oh man it was always it was always like you felt like such the main character at mass when you were like ringing the bell before the communion yeah. <laughs> and you know what I, mean? I remember those days man church kid days so oh, funny yeah. so i did i did want to talk about uh something that happened i think this morning or last night uh john morant basically being caught again with a gun and this time it was in a video and on an instagram live video i thought the first time was too First time he was caught with a gun in a club. Oh. In Denver. Yeah. Oh. Yeah, he for some reason he brought a gun into a club in Denver and was like, I don't I don't know why. I don't know why he needed it or why anyone would need it, but then, you know, obviously he got suspended at that point. And He's then pretty young, God. isn't he? Yeah. Yeah, I think he 20, is. 23. I'm not sure if he, I don't know his age, but I know he's like relatively but he's, new. Okay, so he's NBA. basically our age though. Yeah. That, uh, I don't really have much to say about it other than that's terrifying. Hear me out though. Hear me out. The thing that really, it is terrifying. The first time should have never happened. But what really bothers me is it happened again. Like, you already got suspended, and now you're getting caught on, like, IG Live with a gun in your hand. Like, you're done. Like, you're done. What are you doing? Like, like, I don't know. It's just, it's really frustrating because you, you'd imagine, like, he's doing great in the NBA. Like, he's made a great name for himself, and now he's kind of just, like, tra- like, trashing it away because he's, like, making stupid decisions. And it's kind of a bummer to see, but... Do you think that something else will happen besides a suspension? That's a great question. Um, I don't know the NBA's policy for this sort of thing. Like the first time was like a few games or something. And then this time it's been like, I think like indefinite suspension. But I'd imagine at some point you like don't, the team lets you go. You know what I mean? Mhm. So, I don't know, that just happened recently and uh I just wanted to bring it up cuz I can't believe it. He like had the guts to have a gun in his hand ever again after getting. Like that's your job. That's your job on the line. Like I'm not bringing a I'm, I'm not showing a gun on social media. I don't first of all, I don't own a gun, but I'm not I'm not showing a gun on social media like knowing that my employer could see. Like that's just I don't know. I don't know, but Last, last big, like, news, like, athlete news before we talk about, uh, we get into a little bit of the college sports and, and some mental health stuff. Uh, Jalen Hurts just got his master's degree <laughs> from Oklahoma, of all places, not even Alabama. Really? Yeah. Yeah. Do, do you think that the team that he's playing for in his contract is paying for that degree? Or do you think he went and did it on his own? 
And I only say that because I know sometimes when people get drafted and they haven't completed their college degree, it's part of their contract that mm. at any period of time, the team will pay for them to go back and finish, which is that's cool. so unbelievably important. Yeah, no, that's really cool. Uh, I My answer initially would be he already has a degree from out. He has a bachelor's degree from Alabama. So I, and he's getting paid like $200 million from the Eagles. So I would say he likely just went back and finished on his own. Um, and what was the degree in? Human resources. Oh, weird. I know. I I feel like it was one of those things where he had credits like kind of lingering and he like could apply it to a master's degree and just finish it up. But maybe he's planning a whole alternate career. Maybe in human resources. <laughs> Why not? Yeah, 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 yeah. He's, he's I mean he's maybe he's just a people person. I like him a lot. I think he's a he's a really cool guy. I saw this YouTube video of him. Uh I, I can't remember the name of the series, but basically they interview like NFL players on where they spend their money, like with their like contract and their signing bonus and whatever. Uh-huh. And he was he's from Houston. Um and he was so like expressed so much gratitude towards like the money he had earned and like his family and then the fun stuff that he was talking about like I that made me like kind of keen on him but yeah I think that's really cool good for him man like you're a big star in the NFL but you're still getting a master's degree that's cool that is awesome all right big news for us yeah UCLA has won its next national championship. Woo! Yeah, Bruins! The men's volleyball team won. They beat Hawaii. And I think it's our 121st. Could be wrong. Could need to fact check that later. 120-something national championship. Um, So that's really awesome to see on the... Sadder side, um, I watched UCLA Beach lose to USC, which hurts. Boo! Um, USC really came out and just owned it. Like, yeah, USC just blew us out of the water. So, um, congrats to them. It was really fun to watch. Um, and also, congratulations to Utah. Um, who beat UCLA in the Pac-12 softball championships, which actually happened across the street from my apartment. And I wow. didn't go. But Utah came back um, after they were down and won. So, um, again, super sad for UCLA. Yeah. Um, root for UCLA till the day I die. Oh, mm. wait, Katie, I have news. Mm. And you can put this on the podcast. I don't really care. Last night I was watching the game and my mom texted me and I was feeling like just so overwhelmed this week and it's grad week and there's all these grad parties going on. And so she texts me uh, after they're leaving the party and she's like, Megan, I just met your husband. (laughs) Yeah. Excuse me. (laughs) She's like, oh yeah, I just graduated um, from U of A med and he's going to UCLA for his residency. She's like, I told him all about you and all the other moms are trying to figure out if he's single. So, um, stay tuned everyone. If the moms, if the moms, you know, moms making, she didn't remember what his name was though, which 
really wasn't great for the the social media stalking that I was going to do. So only time yeah. will tell. That's cute. It's cute that your mom was looking out <laughs> for you. So too. funny. <laughs> I think it'd be a, such a good story. Like at your wedding, you're like, my mom texted me on a Saturday night that she met this guy for me. I don't know. Then I talked I'm about him on the it. podcast, and then yeah. he heard the podcast. <laughs> Imagine. No chance. I know. <laughs> All right, what else? Oh, okay. This one actually hurts, speaking of dating. Um, the rumor has it that Shakira has moved on from P- PK and is dating Lewis Hamilton, the Formula One seven-time world champion. No! Which is so sad for all of us who had hope that Lewis Hamilton would fall in love with them. Have you followed Shakira's, like, PK drama? No. Um, my coworker was, like, telling me all about it um, when he wa- makes me watch soccer. And um, all a bunch of her new music is about it. So go check it out. It's pretty entertaining. And she's just, like kind of savage and calls him out in her song like by name no way it's wonderful <laughs> i love shakira she's a baddie uh in other news speaking of usc as well uh brawny james lebron james son committed to usc so i know i know i don't think he was being recruited by ucla as far as I know, or like UCLA wasn't in his top three. I know he was considering like Ohio State as well. So like the two schools who I dislike the most, he was considering. Stop. Yeah. No, I swear. Uh, but actually funny story. So my my brother plays in the same uh, or played in the same league as, as Bronny, like yeah. their high school basketball teams. And Jack stopped playing basketball, I think, junior year. But Jack's friends on the basketball team played against Bronny. And LeBron happened to be playing at Crypto Arena that night, so he didn't show up. But, you know, he's been sided at the games with the Kardashians and, you know, the Drake and all them going to Sierra Canyon and all that. But it's funny funny. because Bronny was actually only, like, when they did, like, the final league ratings or whatever, Mm -hmm. he got second team. He wasn't even first team in that league. It's an insane league. Really? Like everyone's, yeah, yeah. And that's not to say he's not good because, again, like it's a really, really talented group of schools. Like Harvard Westlake is in there, Sierra Canyon's in there, St. Francis. Um, but yeah, like funny to see that. I mean, I mean, I don't know. I'm looking forward to watching him play and hopefully leaving after a couple years and playing with his dad. I think that'd be yeah, cool. Yeah, that'll be really cool. And uh, Bronny will be at USC with Kobe Bryant's daughter, Natalia. So mm. the legacy children are going to USC next year. Again, like, how old are we? Like, the fact that these legends' kids are going to college. I wish I was back in college. The fact that it's USC, <laughs> though, is just, like, so unsurprising. I don't know. It's not surprising at all. It is not surprising at all. But good for them. Yeah. Four's up. Four's up, baby. (laughs) On the baseball side of things, um, the Oakland A's are going to demolish the Tropicana Las Vegas to build their stadium. (laughs) 
Which I was trying to remember when we were there last, which hotel that actually is, because I've only been to Vegas once in my life. Um, with when we went for when we went, <laughs> it was the first yeah. time in Vegas. Um, but supposedly they're going to demolish the hotel, build the stadium there, and then build a new hotel and casino. Um, so the Tropicana isn't disappearing, but it's going to be renovated and rebuilt. So. Good for that's the A's. Ins- good for the A's. That's absolutely insane to me. Um, the fact that it would be cheaper to demolish a hotel and build a stadium where it where it stood than building a whole new stadium. It's cheaper. Like, I don't know. I don't know if it's cheaper. Is that why I read? They did it? I think so. I read that it would be like one hundred and fifty million dollars cheaper. Like. From oh 500 gosh. to 350. Yeah. I don't know if maybe there's already like existing infrastructure, like p- plumbing and, you know, all that, whatever. Yeah. But, or the real estate, you know, but that's insane. Like, goodbye, Tropicana, I guess. <laughs> I mean, they probably get paid a lot of money for that to happen, but. Is the Tropicana an old hotel? Girl, I have no idea. I've been to Vegas maybe like two or three more times than you. Well. For all you Vegas aficionados, let us know if it's a big loss that the Tropicana is going to be there. I'm sure the new one will be just as great of whatever it was. I think it is older. I think it is older, but it'll be cool to have a stadium right on the strip. Yeah. Yeah, well. I would go to a game. Oh, absolutely. Okay, so the next thing we want to discuss here is a topic that is really close to Megan and I, and I would assume a lot of people listening. Um, Like we said earlier, May is Mental Health Awareness Month, and it's something really important, athlete or not, to be in touch with and be aware of and have an open discussion about. Uh, So we are just really excited to talk about it today and talk about some athletes who have really made a difference in this space and have been brave enough to talk about mental health, um, as well as our own experiences. Uh, so let's get into it. Yeah. So I guess, first of all, I just wanted to talk about some of the people who are really kind of like trailblazing in this space. Um, and I'll just start off with Naomi Osaka, who, um, has kind of been in the news recently for her pregnancy Mm -hmm. and, standing up for her right as a woman to have a child and take a step back from the sport and come back to the sport and kind of shutting down the haters who say, you know, she's not going to do it. So um, we know that she withdrew from the French Open and has refrained from speaking to the press a number of times because of mental health issues. And she's young. Um, She's Mm -hmm. really young. So She's part of our generation that's talking about it. Um, On the flip side, there's Kevin Love. And I know you kind of did some background on his organization that he started. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I think Kevin Love was one of the first uh, NBA players, if not like men, to come out about mental health. That's what I associate him with. Right? Yeah, me too. Um, So... Basically, he started what's called the Kevin Love Fund, which is a mental health, like, charitable organization, but also, like, 
uh, it's very proactive in providing mental health services and awareness to high school students and teachers. So I know that he's spoken in a lot of schools and the money that's like raised and donated uh, goes to teen mental health. And this is something that he's talked about a lot is uh, the impact of social media on top of being a high school student. We all remember that, right? Like nothing is easy when you're in high school, right? Um, Or junior high or whatever, you know, that's just like a hard age, but putting social media on top of it, he has said like, as a grown adult, he has struggled with that. Like it's, it's good to be connected with people, but on the, on the opposite side of that, it's really detrimental to see all the time what people are doing. It's a highlight reel, you know, like you can just, it's really draining. And so he advocates a lot for like balance in that space and making sure people are able to have outlets to talk about their mental health, especially young people, because I remember being in high school and mental health was kind of like, not a foreign concept, but just something you don't really think about. Like, it's not, you know, there was never a point where I'm like, oh yeah, like I'm having a bad day or I don't feel good. I haven't felt good for a while. I've never been like depression until you get, you get to college or you kind of grow up and you have hindsight and you're like, wow, like I was actually really, really struggling. And I just didn't necessarily have an outlet or the knowledge to address it. So really cool that Kevin Love has kind of like stepped up in the past like four or five years now and and become a spokesperson on that front fearlessly like fearlessly that I can imagine that's not easy for him right someone you know kind of on the same page as that who I've come across through social media um is Solomon Thomas so Mm -hmm. he's a football player he's a defensive lineman um, and he's currently on the Jets, um, but he lost his sister, Ella, when she was 24 years old to suicide. Mm. And so he has founded an organization called the Defensive Line with his parents. Mm. Um, and they go around and they talk, same to teens, mostly, um, and offer resources to people who need the help. And he's doing some, I mean, amazing outreach work in addition to, um, crushing in the NFL. So, um, you can check them out on social media too, if you're interested. Um, another athlete who has spoken out about mental health is DeMar DeRozan. Uh, he's said many times, you know, I have depression, I struggle with depression. Um, and he's basically framed it as like, professional athletes are normal people too and you know any athlete you know we're normal people too in fact like we are just in the spotlight more often and our job just happens to be you know broadcasted for everyone to see uh but he's not ashamed of it like he's willing to openly speak about it and he started speaking to again high school students in san antonio on kind of like how to handle the way that you're feeling. And like, um, I think he's done a really good job, not only being honest about it and straight up and being like, listen, your perception of me, like as a professional athlete, like that's one side of me. Like I am a whole person, um, but also doing something about it. So it's really, really cool to just see these athletes stepping up and not only sharing, but like making a difference. I almost feel sometimes that it's, 
not worse. Um, that's not like the word that I'm looking for, but it's harder as an adult to understand like, okay, I'm going through this period of time where like, I feel awful Mm -hmm. and I know what I should be doing or I'm trying all these things that I should be doing and I'm not quite feeling better. Or when you have Mm -hmm. that like extreme awareness of what's going on and you can't get yourself out of it, it's almost like more defeating than being like, why do I feel this way? It's like, okay, well, like I know exactly why I feel this way and I know exactly what I should be doing. And then I feel like guilty that I'm not fixing it. I've had that experience too. And I think that's just like an ongoing experience. Like yeah. it's so, it's so much easier to address like why I'm like, you are feeling away, why you're feeling away. But I think the piece that's missing is like, everything I'm doing is not working. And mm-hmm. what, is there going to be something that clicks to help? Like, I think that speaks to why mental health is something that is like needs to consistently like you got to check in on yourself but it's also like a phenomenon where I don't necessarily think there's a one-size-fits-all solution and it's something you work through consistently like your physical health like you don't just stop eating well and working out like you just don't and same you know it's the same exercise with your mental health and I think it's nice to see athletes obviously athletes are people that we constantly follow and we feel in some ways like entitled to be a part of their life and we're rooting for them or rooting against them or whatever it may be but to see people who you look up to like step back and say like like Simone Biles when she took herself out of competition Mm -hmm. like to see someone in that position say like actually no I'm not going to do this for my own safety I'm not going to go to do this press. I'm not going to, you know, like setting boundaries. It's like, oh, mm-hmm. okay, this person who has the whole world on their shoulders can do it. So, you know, when I go to work or when I'm with my family, I can say like, you know what? Like, no, like I'm setting this boundary now and you have the strength to do that because like the people you look up to are doing it. A hundred percent. Yeah. That's a really, that's a really good point. Yeah. Um, so I think one of the most pivotal times in people's journey of just like becoming an individual or learning to be independent is when you go to college and you Katie kind of have the firsthand experience of, um, someone who was recruited to a top tier college to play division one sports. So Mm -hmm. I kind of want to hear your opinion on college sports and what that environment is like. And, um, you know, for any athlete in college, like what that story may be. Yeah. Um, that's, I'm happy to talk about that. I will say like my experience is different than maybe different than a lot of other athletes experiences. Like everyone has their own. So I don't want to like speak out as like, you know, I'm just a singular voice, you know, I'm just a singular voice, but, but yeah. So I was recruited to play volleyball at UCLA. Um, Again, like if you've been listening to these episodes before, 
I grew up with the UCLA. My, my dad played football there. My uncle played baseball there. Like it, it was kind of this like momentous moment where I was like, wow, like <laughs> I did it. And so recruiting, I think it's become kind of a different beast and it's different for different sports, but I was really just trying to get my foot in the door into a big program and, and kind of feel that satisfaction of, okay, yeah, you know, I did it. And UCLA worked out and that was great. Once I got to school and I knew it was going to be a lot of work, like being in, being a college athlete is a full-time job and I am not scared of hard work. But once I got there and you see the inner workings of it versus being on the outside as like a recruit where everything is very glamorous, you know, you're courted for a long time, you, it's just, it just, it's very, it's very glamorous. And so when you get into it and you're kind of getting your footing, it's, it's a little bit of a culture shock. Um, And there are so many factors that go into a player's experience at a certain program that's coaches that's teammates that's the resources available that's training schedule that is physical health like i mean there's an unlimited amount that can change your own experience and um i think towards the end before i stepped away from the sport my mental health was at like one of its all time lows and having just, you know, like still trying to find myself, still trying to figure out how to be a college student at the same time as playing a sport, like being a student. Exactly. And being exactly. And being a student, like trying to make friends. Yeah. um, It was really hard. It was really hard. And, uh, you know, ultimately, like I said, I stepped away because it didn't suit me anymore. And I decided my mental health was more important. Do you think it, your mental health as you were playing volleyball affected how you were playing or? Great question. Like, is it chicken or the egg sort of thing? Yeah. Okay. So yeah, that's a really good question. So I was so excited to continue playing volleyball. I love volleyball. I, when I was younger, I actually hated it. Uh, but then I really grew to love it as I took it more seriously and kind of got a lot better at it. So taking it to the next level, like the sport itself, I was in love with, like, I think it's one of the, you know, it, it'll have a special place in my heart forever. Um, I was really excited. I don't think it was my mental health first. I do think if it's a binary decision, I would say like volleyball impacted my mental health versus my mental health impacting volleyball. But I think it's more of, I was trying to figure out how to be in a new environment on top of the program, not helping my mental health. So um, a couple of things that I can point to that might give a better like perspective on it is uh, the way that I was coached. Mm-hmm. And the overall experience of, I don't want to say being an athlete, but being being a single piece of a broader program and of a broader athletic department. And I, I can talk about that a little bit more, but basically I was treated, I just think I wasn't treated 
great and the efforts that I would make to try and improve that and showing up every day, I would go into the weight room for extra workouts, like almost every day, um, extra trainings, like pretty much trying to just be that teammate. Didn't expect to play a lot. Didn't, you know, like I was just happy to be there, but there's a certain respect, I think, that you, that everyone deserves on a team. And, and this is like a little bit hard to talk about. Uh, I didn't, I never really felt like I got that respect. And I'm, I'm not playing the pity me game because it's not like everyone has a role on a team. But I remember there's two specific things I remember that really pushed me over the edge mentally. And I was like, you know, I need to reevaluate this. The first one was when we played home games, uh, you know, you warm up on one side of the net, right? And this is in front of like people that come to watch the game. Like there's a lot of people that are happy about UCLA volleyball and are excited. So it's kind of like the energy's up in the stadium and whatever. And starting off the first home game, the coach had told me I was, basically I was the only one on the other side of the net shagging balls of the whole team and everyone else got to warm up on one side of the net, like a normal team would do. But I was told to go shag the balls and I am a full-time team. Like I'm a full-time player like this. I'm not a, I'm not a, you know, I was recruited to play here. Mm -hmm. And so that was humiliating every single home game. My family would come, my friends would come and they would see me shag balls on the other side of the court while my team warmed up for the game. And when I addressed it, it, it was kind of just like, we don't have a spot for you to warm up in. Cause I was a setter and we had two setters already who were starting in the game and the cadence of the warm up just didn't suit a third setter. So I was pushed to the other side. So that, that was humiliating. And then um, another time that really hit me hard was one day during practice, I was always on the scout side because again, I wasn't a starter, but I was excited to get reps and learn and, you know, get better and improve my skills. I had been standing out of a drill for like a bit of a time, just like waiting for people to cycle through. And I went to the bathroom and I was like, I was just like not happy. I was not having a good time. I like was kind of tearing up. I went to the bathroom, like this sucks. I was in the bathroom for 45 minutes and I came back out and nobody knew I was gone. Wow. Nobody, nobody knew I was gone. Nobody said anything to me. It was like, I was basically invisible. And at that point I was like, it's a top-down issue. Like the coaches should be driving the culture here, but even my teammates didn't really like offer me any support. Mm -hmm. um, and, you know, I talked to the coaches and I had conversations about my role and I felt like there just wasn't a lot of transparency. Um, my reps would be limited in practice based on like, I've never been on a team where one setter got to set 10 reps and the, and I got to set three in the same drill like that. It just, it, it didn't seem right to me. I wasn't given the same opportunities and mm -hmm. I didn't feel like I was appreciated. And that's not to say that like, I didn't make amazing friends on the team. Like, Many of my best friends are friends that I met playing UCLA volleyball. And I am so thankful that I had that experience, regardless of how it turned out. But because I learned and I grew and I realized how strong I am. And I, you know, that 
it was hard to get over. I had a lot of like, I didn't touch a volleyball after that. I quit for like two years. Like I was, I was really embarrassed. I felt like a failure. I felt like I wasn't good enough after training my entire life. I felt, I just felt really embarrassed and it took a long time for me to like, kind of, I don't want to say recover, but find my confidence again. Mm-hmm. Um, and the flip side of that is, and sorry, this is long winded, so feel free to cut me off whenever, no. but, no, keep <laughs> um, is I don't think like, we've ever really talked about this. We haven't? No. I mean, I've heard bits and pieces because, you know, whenever I would want to come home and like bitch about like whatever was going on in athletics from my end of it, Mm -hmm. you kind of understood because you had been on the flip side and like you could understand what I was saying. So I think living together, like, yeah, I got bits and pieces and I remember you talking to our really good mutual friend, basically like almost your sister, Vanessa about it. Oh yeah. Um, Mm -hmm. And I remember Vanessa sharing some things about, you know, her worries for you, but I don't think I've ever heard the whole story like front to back, you know? Yeah. Yeah. Wow. From my side, like I come in, I'm a normal student. Okay. Like I meet you in sorority rush, but you know, I've been a sports fan my entire life. Like I meet this girl, like she's on the volleyball team. I just think Mm -hmm. that's like the coolest thing on the planet. Mm -hmm. And we're going to your games and it's like, you see this person who you then, and that's not to say it's a good thing to do this because I don't think it necessarily is, but you you see your peer who's a collegiate athlete and then you hold them to a different standard. Like you hold them in a different regard than, you know, Bob and Jim who are sitting next to you in, in biology. Right. Um, And I don't think that's really fair. But my view of you and the years between when we met as freshmen and when we lived together as a senior was like, this girl has got it all together. Like, this mm-hmm. girl is so cool. And so it's like, I don't think I put two and two together of you going through this. Does that make sense? Yeah. And that's, oh my God, you're going to make me cry. First of all. <laughs> oh God. You're very sweet. Um, that's really sweet to hear. Uh, I can tell you from my side, I never felt like, and maybe this is the difference. First of all, really thankful that we met and you've regarded me highly, whether or not it was warranted. Uh, but I never, and this is the difference is going into that program. I never, ever felt like I was given the credit or like should have had the confidence that a lot of other teammates had. Like, I didn't feel like I was kind of like the girl. And I didn't, you know, I didn't feel like people thought that I was cool or I thought I was just this like little, like girl that got recruited that nobody cared about. She didn't play. The coaches didn't really address her in practice. Like, you know, so my confidence was really low. So it's interesting hearing that side of it. And that makes me feel really happy and special that you say that. But yeah, there's, I mean- there was also, and this is something I really, really want to talk about because, and, and let me, sorry, I keep, I keep kind of going back and forth, but let me just say like my experience 
maybe what I'm saying like doesn't sound like a huge deal, but there's these little like microaggressions that go into being a student athlete when you're in a dynamic with a coach who like can't even look you in the eye and tell you the truth about, you know, where you're going to play or what, why you're even here. Mm -hmm. Um, And it builds up. And a lot of times that's like, just kind of like pushed under the rug. And I know this is actually the experience of a lot of student athletes, including girls that I played with on the UCLA team. While I was there, we had, while I started and then through my senior year, we had about nine or 10 girls transfer away because the program was just really toxic. And even my year, and I I will admit this openly, like we went to the athletic director about the culture that was being like perpetrated on the team. And Mm -hmm. um, there was just nothing that was really done about it. I don't know if it was internal politics, but I just want to frame it up as like, yeah, oh, you had to shag on the other side of court. Oh, no one knew you went to the bathroom. Like, I know these might sound like very like comical things that happen, but like there's so much that goes into how you're treated as a teammate. And if, mm-hmm. you know, like I'd never, ever felt that like I was an integral part of the team, whether or not I was playing or not, that's not, that's, that was not important to me. What was important to me is feeling like I am contributing and I am, they recruited me for a reason and I'm treated with respect and I never got that. And that's ultimately why I stepped away. But um The other thing I want to talk about, and this is, I think, a pretty prevalent experience that a lot of female athletes have, and male athletes, actually, probably, um, is the body image side of it, because Mm -hmm. that, I won't say it was as big of a factor of me, like, quitting via the team culture and, like, how I was treated, but there was, like, an adjacent part of it where your body is your tool to play, you know, and to, and to compete and having been an athlete my whole life and you as well, like, you know, like how important it is to take care of yourself and be able to show up and perform. And so, you know, they take that really seriously in college um, to the point, to the point where you are getting, your body imaged like once a week you are going into the bod pod and they tell you your fat composition they tell you your muscle composition you have a sheet every time you wake up in the morning and go to the weight room on how many reps how many sets what you need to be doing for flexibility you know all this stuff and i think that's really beneficial but it goes way too far to the other end and when you are consistently evaluated on how you look and how you perform physically, your worth starts bleeding into that. And um, it's really, really detrimental. Like I had, and this is, I mean, this might be news to a lot of people in my family listening to this and my friends, but like I had an eating disorder probably going into college, but it was absolutely accelerated from college athletics because of the way that you are critiqued and the way that you are like not expected to perform, but the way you're expected to look. I just wanted to touch on that from the flip side. Um, So I did a, an internship with UCLA performance nutrition. And so 
I was the person who was doing those mm. pods on the app. Yes, yes. Um, which for anyone that doesn't know what we're talking about, a bod pod um, is basically an egg that opens and you get into it and you're supposed to be naked when you get into it. Um, if you're a female athlete, you wear like um, spandex shorts and a sports bra um, and then you put your hair um, under like a swim cap. You have to take all your jewelry out and it works basically via air displacement. Um, so it's, you know, giving a pretty detailed measure of um, your body fat percentage and um, stuff like that. Um, mm. And the, for reference, the like most accurate thing you can do for measurements like that is a DEXA scan. This is not as accurate as that, but um, yeah, we were told... And I was told by a nutritionist who had training and eating disorder, um, like that was her specialty as a nutritionist, um, not to say anything, not to show them anything, not to um, let them see the computer. You know, you couldn't answer any questions when they would ask you what was going on, like when I was looking at the screen. Um, and it was just like a very disheartening situation I will say super uncomfortable to be put in the position to do it with the male sports teams which is like yeah another story um but we did that and then we wow. had all of the athletes meals in a fridge yeah um, that we were supposed to give them you know it's like calorie controlled and we were making these shakes that were like really specific to help people put on weight and like trying to tell people what to eat and trying to navigate the different sports. And, mm. you know, what you're saying to a gymnast is very different than what you're saying to the female throwers on the track and field team. Right, right. And it was an extremely underfunded program. I think way more money and resources and science and knowledge needs to goes into any nutrition program at any college. Um, yeah. it was just kind of shambles and it, it doesn't surprise me at all that people were getting hurt. I mean, we knew who was struggling and who wasn't, you know, I knew who came to pick up their meals and I knew the girls that would tell me like to throw my, their meals in the trash so that Oh, find out they like weren't eating them. And, you know, we ended up, and I don't know, it was just all a mess. It was all a yeah. mess. I'm sorry. I'm sorry to hear that. But also, again, not surprised. It's so yeah. funny. We have like the duality of perspectives here. It's you guys, I will say, Megan, like you guys did a great job, especially like people, undergrads working in the nutrition department, like I was always really appreciative of you guys showing up with the shakes in the morning and you were there, you were there in with us at like 5am while we were working out. Like you were, you know, always there. So like the effort wasn't amiss, but the, yeah, like the messaging is really important. And I think if you don't already have a good relationship with food or you like, at least in my perspective, like it, really really impact me in fact 
one nutritionist that was assigned to the volleyball team at one point, and this was like close to when I was like kind of thinking like maybe this isn't right for me. He, I did a bod pod. I was in like a really bad place mentally. I felt like I had no control over what I was doing with the team. I felt helpless. I felt worthless. He came to me. He's like, hey, we need to set up a meeting. Uh, we need to talk about your nutrition. And I was like, oh my God, here we go. And yeah. he basically, he basically told me like, this is, ex you can only really be eating chicken and vegetables and you know, like this like really obscene meal plan that I wouldn't is if you want to like go and get down to two per like whatever 5% body fat, that's fine. That's just not me. That's not ever going to be me. I'm or healthy any I, on this or any woman. Thank you. Or any woman. And he asked me straight up and this was again, humiliating. And I'll never forget this is he said, when you eat, do you eat alone? Does anyone ever watch you eat? And I think I've mentioned that to you, Megan. Basically, yeah. basically insinuating that I eat alone and I stuff my face and I don't have control over my food. And I looked at him. I'm like, are you joking? I was like, sometimes I eat alone. Sometimes I eat with friends. I'm not thinking about who I'm eating with and where I'm eating with. And he's like, just like, maybe you should start eating with other people. Like, I should be ashamed of the food that I'm putting in my body to give myself nutrition. And that at that point, I was like, this is something I need to figure out myself. No one's going to be able to help me with this. And so I'm, I'm at a way, obviously, that was six years ago or five years ago. So I'm at a way better place now. I'm happy and healthy. I have a good relationship with food, but it's one of those things. So once you decided to leave college athletics, talk, like, tell me about what the transition was like and then what it was like to kind of like get yourself to a better place. Um, at first I, I was in an identity crisis, uh, completely because I've always been an athlete. I've always been a star student and half of that was taken away, uh, by my own decision. And so part of me was like, you're being a baby. You should have just kept it going or you should, you know, you should be embarrassed. And that's just the negative self-talk. The other side of it was immense relief. I mean, when you're waking up every morning at 5 a.m. with anxiety about going to go work out or train, like it's just not worth it. And it took, I'll say it took probably a solid year for the what is that called? Like my, my nerve stimulation or like, like some sort of like adrenaline that I had from that consistent, like pressure to like go away completely. Um, I felt free of people telling me what to do, being obligated, being scared, um, being judged. I felt just like really a lot of relief. I could go for a run in the middle of the day if I wanted, you know, I could, go to the library, I could take a nap, like, I felt free. Um, mm -hmm. But like I said, I didn't pick up a volleyball again for years. And that's because my confidence was so decimated from being a part of that team and that and the coaching, basically, like being told that I wasn't good enough all the time. Mm -hmm. 
that I was just scared. I felt like a failure. Um, after I had found, after a year, after I found a good routine, I started getting involved on campus and other things. I started leaning into friends who really cared about me. Like Vanessa is one of those people. She's, she was there from the beginning. Um, and realizing I am not, I am not just a volleyball player. I am not just an athlete. I am me. I am Katie and I am incredible and I can do whatever I want. And that's when I started kind of taking control of what, you know, I won't say control of my mental health because that's always an up and down, but my own life and my own, what I wanted to do. And so that involved working out when I wanted to and doing the workouts that I wanted that involved finding a balance with food and being more gentle with myself. Um, I School is something obviously you and I both cared about a lot. So like digging into school, uh, I joined a business club. I started on the executive board of the business club, started leaning into like what I wanted to do for a career. And I think some of it was distracting myself from the sadness that I was feeling or like the reparations that had to happen, but a lot of it actually turned out to be really positive. And by the time COVID happened, I started being like, I think I am a lot healthier mentally. And this, this is something that happened to me and something I learned a lot from, but it's, you know, it doesn't, it's not who I am. Mm -hmm. Oh yeah. I, I'm happy to pick up a volleyball now. I mean, it took a long time, but like we were just in Palm Springs playing volleyball and I'm like, wow, like I remember why I love this sport so much. And I feel really, really, really thankful for all of the people who saw me go through that experience and never once were like, you're doing the wrong thing or judged me or thought that there's always people on the outside that can look in and be like, why'd she quit? She's not strong enough for it. She can't time manage. She can't, you know, like she didn't play. So she quit. And all of those things are absolutely not true. Um, right. I quit because of my mental health. Uh, and so people like Taylor Schlenner, who hopefully she listens to this, she was on the volleyball team with me. She'd work out with me, extra workouts all the time. She's still one of my best friends. Like she's been there from the beginning. And even though I was a freshman and she was a senior, she like took care of me. And, and same with Jenny Moser, like, again, oh, you know, Jenny, like amazing person. Yeah. Volleyball is still a part of her life, but she has been there for me and taken me for who I am and not as an athlete and not as a volleyball player who quit. Um, and same with my family. I mean, they saw what I was going through and they validated it and came out better on the other end. Yeah. But I think there needs to be a conversation ongoing about, I think being in a program, it's scary to say I'm having a hard time because when you're in it and you're competing, you don't want to be looked at as like the weak person or the weak player because you want your teammates to be able to rely on you. But ultimately, like, it's if you are not mentally at your best, then you're not going to be able to be there for your team. And right. it needs, like, it's an ongoing conversation. Yeah, absolutely. Is there any 
I'm curious your experience, Megan. Like, was there ever a time playing high school sports or club sports or, you know, any, literally anything where you felt like was either helping your mental health or causing you challenges? And like, how did you work through that? Um, ever since I was like a little kid, um, my parents would say like, oh, you're going to be in school forever. Like, which is turned out to be true, but my experience of sports was like, I feel like the flip of you where you're saying like this sport was detrimental to my mental health. And I think that when I was in high school and I was playing sports, it was my mental health was, it was anxiety. Like Mm -hmm. I had such crippling anxiety. I could not translate that onto the court Mm. and it so my my junior year um it wasn't as big of a deal my junior year was coming back from an injury and just kind of like getting back into the swing of things playing a new position my senior year it was um you know like this is our opportunity to win state and for the first time, like any team in Tucson had won in like 23 years. So it was like kind of like this big hoorah, you know, like all the local news channels were there. Like people were following us. Like we were in the paper all the time. Like, Mm -hmm. you know, the favorites on the team were always getting talked about. Like people who actually were putting in the effort weren't getting the recognition Mm -hmm. by, you know, Billy Bob, who's writing the, the newspaper and like, that whole thing was going on and I just like in that period of time like you're applying to college you're going on college tours you're trying to figure out like you know all of those like I don't want to call them stupid because in the time they were really valid but like you know my relationship in high school like is that going to continue when I go to college Mm -hmm, what mm -hmm. if I pick this college over that college like am I going to be okay if I move across the country? Am I not going to be okay? Um, There was like, I mean, my high school is super, super competitive about where people went to college and all that stuff. And it was all going on at the same time that the season was happening where everyone Mm. was expecting us to win state. And I just remember we played this one team and like we were, I was in serve receive and like, every serve I just shank 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 and like I could not snap out of it Mm -hmm. and it was like my coach was screaming like screaming at the top of her lungs like nothing helpful no Um, no nothing helpful at all like it was just making me feel so much worse it's like it's like look at my body tell me what I'm doing wrong like you know you're opening up your shoulders you're doing this like tell me to do x y or z to fix it Because the way that you're addressing me right now is making the problem worse. Long story short, we lose the game and we're in this huddle and like our coach goes over to the other side and she's talking to the coach of the other team and basically like went to her and was like trash talking us to her. No. And then she came back in the huddle and she just looked at me and like, excuse me, I'm going to cuss. But she looked at me and she goes, you're just such a fucking head case. No. And it was like that moment where, oh, dang, now I'm getting. <laughs> no, it's okay. No, it's okay. 
that theme of everyone thinks this about you. Yeah. And then it trickles into like other things. I hear you. And I just remember I like, I'm obviously was crying like I am now, but, um, you take those things that people say to you and like, they get integrated into your identity. Yep. A hundred percent. And you're like, oh shoot. Like I, am I a head case? Like, I think I'm like, I think I'm dope, you know? Right. Right. Like, I think right. I'm successful. I think I'm smart. I think I'm good at school. I try really hard at school and volleyball is never something that I saw myself doing long-term. Like something I did for fun. Like it was for the camaraderie, it, you know, there's many times right. where you want to quit, but you don't quit because you love the girls on your team so much. Mm -hmm. You're like, I'm just going to stick in this because like, I just like love to be with these girls after school every day. And when like, it all starts to like come in. It's like, to your point, like our coach would say every summer when we would come in for preseason, like, all right, girls, like time to get in shape. Like you look like you've been like slacking off. And it's like, you've made a comment about me. You've made a comment about my identity. You've made a comment about my body. Yep. yep. And it was like, I didn't care about volleyball. Like mm -hmm. I can't like, that's we won state the news came you know you win all these awards you become you know senior athlete of the year like whatever it may be it mattered not one bit my mm -hmm. ring that I paid so much money to have because only the football team got their rings paid for them of course like, that ring sits in a box somewhere that like I will never look at ever again no one cares Mm -hmm. what my volleyball team did in high school and yet sports as like a concept because I was a, a year-round athlete like whether it be volleyball or track and field or beach volleyball like all of that impacted me so much into what my identity is now yeah and I think that's like a hard it teaches you a lot and you're probably better for it right but it's like it's so triggering. Oh, I, I know exactly the feeling that you're talking about. I just, I know that feeling and I'm sorry that you had to go through that. Um, and, and I, go ahead. It's like now when I'm at work and I'm having a panic attack or having one of those moments where I just like cannot control myself and I feel ridiculous um because I'm like in a group of people who like aren't going through that same struggle yep. and then like someone stops and is like well like you're a like resident anxious person in the lab or like oh like you're so you know when like people start saying those things and then you think back to that time when that's like yeah that first person yeah. first said it to you and you're like I don't want this to be a part of my identity anymore. Yes. Like, That's I just need so a minute. Valid. Like, I'm fine. I need a minute. I'm going to go deal with it by myself. 
but like it doesn't need to be something that becomes like a personality trait of mine which that's so everyone constantly like points out that's terrible i'm sorry well it's not i mean it's it's not you everyone has anxiety like it's normal for you to break down the amount of times I've cried because of work like the amount of time you know you like yeah it's just like a really sensitive topic at the moment (laughs) that's fair no that's so valid and I'm I think those comments are kind of inappropriate because you'd never really know what someone's going through so I'm sorry but yeah no I understand completely you just don't once someone has impacted you to a point where you feel like your self-worth is wrapped up in like something you're doing or something you're not doing or something you're failing at and you react to that obviously very emotionally or you react to it like because you're you care about it a lot like that feeling sticks with you for a long time and feeling like your identity is wrapped up in the way someone's perceiving you as like an anxious person or as not a good player or whatever it is like that's really really hurtful and i've been there i I know i have plenty of plenty of stories that same thing happened to me but it's like the the disconnect between like when the people around you have this concept that like the stakes are so high Mm-hmm. And I know we talk about this at work mm-hmm. between our jobs, but like the stakes are so high to that person. And it's like, for me in volleyball, like it was just a hobby, you know? Right. Like, I didn't, I mean, my life wasn't going to be changed whether we won state or not. Like, right. Great, cool. We won. Like, I can say that as a fun fact about me when I'm like in my circle of like meet and greet, you know, later. Right. On. But it, it, I was, I was so apparent, it was so apparent to me as a senior in high school that this season and this sport was have, gonna have zero effect on the rest of my life. That's not to say that it wasn't gonna have effect on other people's lives who continued to play, because a, a bunch of those girls have continued to have wonderful careers in volleyball and are amazing players, but to me, the stakes were so low, so right. unbelievably low. And to me, what mattered the most is school, because that's what I cared about. And when I was worried about school and that became a problem to everyone else, I just wanted to scream. I'm like, guys, like, why do we care so much about this? You know, like, why does it matter that, you know, the Lakers or the Warriors have won? Like, you're not on the team. Mm-hmm. And yet we like put so much value in this that it like, Mm -hmm. I just think it's like ridiculous sometimes. I think one thing that I've realized that's really been beneficial to me in just accepting whether or not it's, I, I, you just, I've just accepted it as if you are not on the inside, if you don't have the experience, then you don't know. And there's yeah. always going to be people on the outside, and I will I will ride this home till the day I die, on the outside who are going to make judgments, who are going to say things, who are going to put pressure on you, who are going to give you an identity that's not yours, and that's never going to go away. But they don't matter. They're not on the inside, 
and and it's your experience that matters and it's and I'm sure you have had this thought is now when I go and I let's say I see someone and my first inclination is to judge them or wonder why they made a certain decision I sit back and I'm like I have no idea what's going on I have no idea and quit like quitting a college sport gave me so much more perspective on being a more accepting person on understanding people's experiences and that is an invaluable experience that I've had and I wouldn't go back and change it even though it was absolutely terrible I made a lot of amazing friends I got to play for an awesome like you know D1 I got the hype right but I mean it's the same as and the gear I got a ton of gear which my mom wears a lot now actually my my none of us are at UCLA anymore so that gear is kind of just sitting around uh but you never know on the outside people are going to say whatever they want and as long as you can have confidence in yourself and define yourself like that's all that matters yeah and I mean I still struggle with that like definitely in different ways but no matter what world you're walking into as women it's probably going to be a male dominant field so you have that on your shoulders anyway yeah but when you walk into a room and someone has made a judgment about you and for all those who listen listening who know me and like know what my situation is at the moment that like hits home but like when you walk into a room and people have already made a judgment about you and they don't know you, that's mm. still so unbelievably hard for me. And I think it's a people-pleasing thing. Mm-hmm. But I think it's, like, a, a doubly hard to go and improve, like, okay, A, as a woman, I deserve to be here. And then B, now I have to overcome this judgment that you've made upon me. And I 100%. think that's forever going to be one of the hardest things for me to not care about a hundred percent and unfortunately I think that is something that you will always have to deal with and I'm hoping it's in lesser degrees as you continue to be successful and people maybe take a second before they judge but like you said being a woman in a male-dominated field I I get that experience as well like you are always having to prove yourself an extra step and I think you're doing great but just keep the confidence that you have and remember like what you're capable of and take that with you but yeah that's that's hard and that's also very consciously coming from a place of privilege that I will acknowledge like I'm saying that in a very privileged position nonetheless. Yeah. And so to be aware of everyone who is going through struggles that we don't even understand is something you like absolutely cannot forget. A hundred percent. Everyone has a different experience and I, I, there's billions of other experiences that I will never know. So, um, let's wrap it up okay i think we need some some joy <laughs> yeah we do After this has been a really good conversation this was yeah. a good combo though it was fun yeah. okay so 
next week, uh, Stanley Cup playoffs are continuing. I was actually at, at the airport yesterday watching Dallas and I think it's Seattle play each other. And I was like, oh the my God. The Kraken and the Stars. The Kraken and the Stars. Uh, don't have any That's... score updates for you, but... The Knights and the Oilers and the Kraken and the Stars are playing. Um, and then something we, we don't necessarily always go over, but um, NCAA. Uh, men's and Women's Tennis Championships are ongoing. And in the months of May and June, we're seeing like a wrap up of all of the spring sports that are going on. So um, I know lacrosse is happening, um, golf. So be sure to tune into those. Yes, yeah, sweet. Um, PGA Championships coming up end of May, right? Or actually like this week. Yeah, it is. It's like the next tournament on the calendar. You know what I turned on uh, when I was at home was the Live Golf Tournament. Really? That was recent. Yes. It, they must have been okay. So they must have been in Tucson. This one was in Nebraska or Oklahoma or something. Uh-huh. What a hoot! They really? get to wear sh- they get to wear shorts. There's music. There's teams. I'm like, what? And they have huge names. Dustin Johnson's there. Brooks Kepka. I think Phil Mickelson went. Like, dude, these people paid a lot of money to get those guys. But it's it's an interesting little detour from the pga anyways yeah um the wnba is starting their season um in the next couple weeks so they've been in preseason right now but season openers are coming up so please tune into women's sports yeah and then the nba conference finals are going to begin tonight yeah right game well isn't game seven tonight and then... Game seven, yes. Game seven no, of the game Celtics. Game seven already happened. Wait, oh, yeah, it's over it's now. Today. Cool. Let me Google it. Let me Google it. Okay. I'm looking at Bleacher Report right now. I think Celtics in the 76. 70- oh, Celtics won? Yeah. Go Boston. So, so it's going to be uh, Lakers, Nuggets, and Celtics Heat? Yes, it is. Wow. Okay. Dude, Celtics Heat Who takes me back. Who do you want now? Okay. Oh, start. you know. Okay. All my teams are out, so I get to pick new ones. You have okay, to go pick ahead. the Lakers. Okay. <laughs> okay. Second I'm, is Heat. I'm going with... Boston. Why? I don't know. Okay. <laughs> cool. Controversial opinion there. We can really. Yeah. I mean, I don't. I'm not a huge fan of the Celtics. Obviously, being a Lakers fan, and I like the Heat. But okay, we'll follow Boston that. Fan in general, but I'm going with Boston. Okay. All right. That's good. Keep the drama up. Uh. <laughs> Okay, um, so a lot of exciting things happening this week. This episode uh, will be dropped later in the week. Obviously, we're recording on Sunday, so um, excited to see how things develop here. Um, no, this has been a little bit of a 
a heavier episode, but it has been awesome to talk about. And Megan, like I actually, it's very therapeutic. I actually like really enjoy talking to you about this. Um, Cause we just, I feel like you and I are like really open about mental health, but it's cool to just like set aside a time to talk about it. Yeah. yeah um, but yeah, thanks everyone for listening to episode three. Yep. Follow us on Instagram, TikTok, and Twitter. And if you want us to talk about something or you want to talk with us about something, um, if you have any questions, DM us on any platform. And if you have our phone numbers, call <laughs> us or text us. Um, we're open definitely not super busy but yeah we have (laughs) so we have so So much much time time. (laughs) but the people who have listened and texted me and been supportive we really appreciate you and we want to see more of that because we are doing this for ourselves but also it's cool to have an audience that is interested in what we're talking about so yep and lastly since it's mother's day um big shout out to uh mama crackiolo and mama jacobs yeah the best the best moms yes we love you lots um cool all right y'all we'll see you in episode four bye bye (laughs)